old treasures made new. Your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 5, verses 21 to 37, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 to 37. You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come in terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you would lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. These verses deserve the closest attention of all readers of the Bible. A right understanding of the doctrine they contain lies at the very root of Christianity. The Lord Jesus here explains more fully the meaning of his words, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill. He teaches us that his gospel magnifies the law and exalts its authority. He shows thus that in the law, as expounded by him, was far more spiritual and heart-searching rule than most of the Jews supposed. And he proves this by selecting three commandments out of the ten as examples of what he means. He expounds the sixth commandment. Many thought that they kept this part of God's law, so long as they did not commit actual murder. The Lord Jesus shows that its requirements go much further than this. It condemns all angry and passionate language, and especially when used without a cause. Let us mark this well. We may be perfectly innocent of taking life away and yet be guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. He expounds the seventh commandment. 
Many suppose that they kept this part of God's law if they did not actually commit adultery. The Lord Jesus teaches that we may break it in our thoughts, hearts, and imaginations, even when our outward conduct is moral and correct. The God with whom we have to do looks far beyond actions. With him, even a glance of the eye may be sin. He expounds the third commandment. Many fancy that they kept this part of God's law so long as they did not swear falsely and performed their oaths. The Lord Jesus forbids all vain and light swearing altogether. All swearing by created things, even when God's name is not brought forward, all calling upon God to witness except on the most solemn occasions, is a great sin. Now all this is very instructive. It ought to raise very serious reflections in our minds. It calls us loudly to use great searching of hearts. What does it teach? It teaches us the exceeding holiness of God. He is a most pure and perfect being who sees faults and imperfections where man's eyes often see none. He reads our inward motives. He notes our words and thoughts as well as our actions. He requires truth in the inward parts. Oh, that men would consider this part of God's character more than they do. There would be no room for pride and self-righteousness and carelessness if only they saw God as he is. It teaches us the exceeding ignorance of man in spiritual things. There are thousands and ten thousands of professing Christians, it may be feared, who know no more of the requirements of God's law than the most ignorant Jews. They know the letter of the Ten Commandments well enough. They fancy, like the young ruler, all these I have kept from my youth up. They never dream that it is possible to break the Sixth and Seventh Commandments if you do not break them by outward act or deed. And so they live on satisfied with themselves and quite contend with their little bit of religion. Happy indeed are they who really understand God's law. It teaches us our exceeding need of the Lord Jesus Christ's atoning blood to save us. What man or woman upon earth can ever stand before such a God as this and plead not guilty? Who is there who has ever grown in years of discretion and not broken the commandments thousands of times? There is none righteous, no, not one. Without a mighty mediator, every one would be condemned in the judgment. Ignorance of the real meaning of the law is one plain reason why so many do not value the gospel and content themselves with a little formal Christianity. They do not see the strictness and holiness of God's Ten Commandments. If they did, they would never rest until they were safe in Christ. In the last place, this passage teaches us the exceeding importance of avoiding all occasions of sin. If we really desire to be holy, we must take heed to our ways that we offend not in our tongues. We must be ready to make up quarrels and disagreements, lest they gradually lead on to greater evils. The beginning of strife is like a breaching a dam. We must labor to crucify our flesh and mortify our members, to make any sacrifice and endure any bodily inconvenience rather than sin. We must keep our lips as it were with a bridle and exercise an hourly strictness over our words. Let men call us precise, if they will, 
for doing so. Let them say, if they please, that we are too particular. We need not be moved. We are merely doing as our Lord Jesus Christ bids us, and, if this is the case, we have no cause to be ashamed. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His 